Ho, ho, ho! It's the last <laughs> show of 2022. Woo! Man, oh man, super freaking excited. We've got the one only Kelly Giddish coming yes. on the show to talk about her time on Law & Order SVU. Yes, we, don't worry, we have all the info you want to know. Everything she talks about, so much about just everything. Uh, and, of course, you guys know that one of the biggest uh, rated episodes of SVU was Book of Esther with our forever guest, Rebecca Kelly. Kennedy. We couldn't not bring that up. Of course. So, of course, we talk with, uh, with Kelly about that, and that's a great conversation in itself. You guys are going to love that interview, for sure. You really are. You really are. Well, that's later on the show. Now, let's get a little crazy. What's up, guys? Oh, my goodness. 214 of Inside the Crazy Ant yes. Farm is here, and we're super excited. Last episode of the year, and you guys know your host with the most, myself, J-Lo Fantastic, and the one and only Mouse. What's up? Oh, boy. We're super pumped. But before we get started teasing the rest of the show, be sure to leave a rating on this podcast. Comment below and tell us what you actually think about the show as a whole. Leaving a rating actually helps the podcast get seen by more people who enjoy the entertainment industry especially those who are trying to break into it we want to give them the knowledge to be prepared to be in the room where it happens yes man oh man there's a lot of things going down in hollywood this past week we're gonna be talking all about james cameron's latest avatar of course we'll also be talking about james gunn's latest decisions <laughs> at dcu a lot of confusion there there is man I, nobody knows what the fuck's going on yeah, but we'll, we'll talk about everything we do know <laughs> We're going to try to keep it straight as much as we can. You might need to take notes. Who knows? Uh, yeah. Oh, my For goodness. Real. But it's going to be a great show. We're super excited. Uh, but before we get that started, be sure to head over to our website, www.crazyantmedia.com, where you start rocking the latest and greatest Crazy Ant Media gear. We got special Christmas gear yes. just like that. You can get it in time, too. You can you still can. get it. It's a freaking amazing, guys. We have something <laughs> for everyone, especially those ones who you don't know the perfect gift to get them. Well, just head over to crazyantmedia.com. Dot com and start browsing away. Yes. Super freaking pumped. Well, of course, we're stalking, talking, stalking, we're stalking, stalking we're, we're not talking <laughs> about the biggest movie that's coming out this week, and that is James Cameron's Avatar, The Way of Water. Yes. And it took flight at the box office with a solid 53 million gross from, I mean, 4,202 locations. That's a lot of freaking theaters. In its opening day, uh, a figure that includes 17 million of Thursday night previews that ranks as the sixth highest first day domestic gross of the year. Lower than those earned by Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, Thor Love and Thunder, Jurassic World Dominion, and The Batman. Now, the film is projected to make around 150 to $175 million this opening weekend, which would rank as one of the biggest debuts of 2022, yeah. to be fair. Uh, the power of Pandora may be no match for the might of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, though, as Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness came in at 185 for its opening weekend, and Black Panther Wakanda Forever came in at 181 Now, those are likely 
likely to retain the top domestic openings yep. of this year with very little competition throughout the holidays. Now, The Way of Water hopes to mount a similar word-of-mouth-driven blockbuster run that the first Avatar film had with all the amazing technology. It has received strong raves from critics without being anonymously praised, currently holding a 73% uh, uh, approval rating on the top critics on revenge aggregated website the rotten tomatoes of course now general audiences seem to be much more positive the film earned an a grade through research uh from the cinema score indicating a strong approval among the first round of ticket buyers it's going to be very interesting but you know how james cameron loves to do it this thing is going to be in theaters through all of 2023. Well, and it's going to have to be. First of all, I thought it was ironically on point that he spent the past year basically bashing superhero movies and all of the superhero movies this year are going to have a better opening than he is. So I thought that was kind of funny. But here's the thing, guys, and, and it's going to have to have legs because if you guys didn't hear, the production budget on this thing was $350 million. Now, if you're not in the industry and you're not familiar, you basically have to make two times your production budget to break even. Yep. If you throw in marketing and advertising and distribution, it's three times the the production budget in order to just break even. If this thing is going to go into profit at all, it has to make more than $2 billion to even go into profit. It's definitely so, one of the most expensive movies ever made. Yeah. Um, I was listening to a uh, podcast where one of the main producers on this film was talking, and he was, of course, touting it so much. But a funny little antidote that I think you may enjoy. James Cameron now is taking his producing team for all of his films on retreats to map out their plans uh -huh. of how to figure everything out. I'm like, what does that sound like? It sounds a lot like Kevin Feige's hmm. strategy, doesn't it? I thought that was absolutely hilarious, and I wanted to tell you on the show so you could get a genuine reaction from oh, that. Oh, yeah. No, but, it's, I mean, it's of course. You spend the whole year bashing everything the man does, and now you're emulating <laughs> all of it. But so, you're copying the same exact yeah. thing. But it's absolutely amazing thing to see because he's got his whole team in the same thought process as he is which i mean makes sense because that's what you have to do when you are a designated team seeking the same goal but i mean trying to neglect and disprove all of these other numbers and acquisitions it's just like bro you have a lot of way to go <laughs> and he's one thing he's not learning because I, I wanted to like look this up He's always known for making the most expensive movies. Exactly. Like, so in the 90s, it was True Lies. Ended up costing more than $100 million. And at that time, that was the most expensive movie. And then Titanic cost over $200 million to make in 97. Here's the thing, though. Why, why is this a problem? And why, Because, like we said, it has to make over $2 billion to even make a profit if it's got any shot. Well, guys and gals, only five movies have ever done that mm. only five it's uh spider-man no way home top gun maverick okay uh and yeah so let's see let me let me see the top those two put it this way because i don't want to take too much time but they're all superhero movies and then titanic because it was in the theaters over and over and over and over yeah. and over and over and over. So the idea of that this would be some sort of a simple accomplishment for him to be able to do oh disney's fine it'll make money only five films in the history of ever 
have made that much yeah. money. I will say so, last little keynote before moving on to the next story is Disney put a lot of effort into marketing this thing. Yeah. I will say their premiere that they did where you were basically in Pandora, that was pretty badass. Yeah, no, I will totally. say, like, I mean, you had everybody in costumes and the whole, like, ah, but yeah, we'll see how it does. We'll definitely keep an eye on it and let you know this upcoming new year. Yeah, good luck. Yeah. Good luck. Uh, Deadpool 3, this is exciting I because I think this is the confirmation everybody was wanting to hear. Deadpool 3 director Sean Levy confirmed that his team is targeting a May 20th 2023 production start for the comic book tentpole. The film not only pairs Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool with Hugh Jackman's Wolverine, but it also marks Deadpool's first outing into the MCU. Now, Levy assured the fans, and here's where we're all excited about, the franchise will indeed keep its R-rated hardcore violence, even with the backing of the family-friendly Disney. Now, for Levy, maintaining the franchise's R-rated edge was integral when he agreed to direct the movie, He wasn't going to do it unless they agreed to it. So that's fantastic. Deadpool 3 set to open in theaters on November 8th. 2024 so not very far away i'm so freaking pumped for this movie yeah i mean it was a great freaking uh the the first two great theatrical releases and i mean speaking of another decent theatrical release (laughs) is disney's strange world which is heading to disney plus december 23rd so literally next week the animated family film has been a disappointment at the box office grossing 30.4 million domestically since a week opening over uh the thanksgiving holiday weekend and $50.4 million worldwide. Now, I mean, yeah, man. They put a lot of money into it, but I, I've heard positive word of mouth. That's why I was saying what I said at the beginning. So we'll we'll see how it yeah. does on Disney+. Plus. Hopefully I mean, it gets more late. got a bunch of A-list stars in it that, that do the voices, so yeah. I was kind of shocked that it didn't do well, but oh well. ABC has given a pilot order to The Hurt Unit, a medical drama from Matt Lopez and John Glenn. The Hurt Unit will follow a highly skilled team of trauma surgeons and nurses who race into the field to treat the patients who won't make it to the hospital in time. When the sick and the injured can't get to the emergency room, the HURT, which, by the way, if you guys don't know, stands for Hospital Urgent Response Team, they bring the emergency room to them. Lopez and Glenn will write and executive produce the pilot. Mark Webb, yes, that Mark Webb, Spider-Man fame, also executive produces through his Black Lamb Productions banner and serves as director. The studio is ABC Signature, at which Lopez is under an overall deal so it makes sense it definitely does they like their medical dramas they really ABC do likes their medical dramas exactly That's all a lot of hits man a lot of hits uh, i mean if it ain't broken right exactly well speaking of hits hulu's original series how i met your father returns for its second season yes. tuesday january 24th new episodes will follow weekly on hulu the series, of course, stars Hilary Duff, Christopher Lowell, uh, Francis Rosara, uh, Tom Ainsley, Tain Tran, uh, Sergi Sherma, alongside recurring stars uh, Kim Charal, Daniel Augustin, Ashley Reyes, and Josh Peck. The comedy shows Sophie, who's played by Duff, of course, as she tells her uh, son the story of how she met his father, a story that uh, uh, catapults viewers back to the year of 2022, where <laughs> Sophie and her close-knit group of friends are in the midst of figuring out who they are, what they want out of life, and how to fall in love in an age of dating apps and limitless options. Mm. A lot of good stuff there. I'm excited for that one. Oh yeah, me too. And it's interesting that Josh Peck is included in the recurring characters for season two. Because they broke up. Yeah. Is he the dad? 
Is there still a possibility that he's the dad? I mean, why is he sticking around? I don't know. A pilot based on which mountain film franchise has been greenlit at Disney Plus? Bryce Dallas Howard will lead the cast of the pilot with Isabel Gravitt, Levi Miller, Bianca B. Norwood, and Jackson Kelly also set as series regulars. The project is described as a modern take on the franchise and follows two teens that develop strange abilities and discover their sleepy suburb may not be as idyllic as it seems. This was a huge hit in the 70s uh, for Disney. It was a TV movie that did, like, massively well. And uh, The Rock tried to redo this thing a few years back, remember? So, uh, with Magic Mountain. So, eh. Um, yeah, I mean, will it make a good Disney Plus series? Probably better than it does a movie. That's So, I mean, good luck. She seems to be Disney's uh, golden child right That's now. That's what it right? seems like, like, man. She, they Disney has a nice, tight-knit group. They do. Uh, Dan Levy and Ali Panqui, uh comedy Stand By has been ordered to series at Hulu. According to the logline, the series is a strategical look into the life of a group of internally bound disgruntled guardian angels and the lessons they'll eventually learn from not only the dysfunctional humans they are in charge of protecting, but also each other. Now, Levy, Dan Tennant, Natalie Palindis, Glenn Close, uh, Poppy Lou, uh, Samira Wiley will also star in this thing. So, I mean, that's a pretty epic cast. So, we shall see how it does. Yeah, hell yeah. Hell yeah. And I, from what I understand, I think it's animated. So, nice, uh, nice. yeah, somebody set, hit, hit us up with some comments if I'm wrong, but I'm almost positive it's animated. Uh, Hulu's upcoming six-part limited docuseries, The 1619 Project, set to launch January 26th. Disney's Onyx Collective announced this week. The series is an expansion of the project of the same name from journalist Nicole Hannah-Jones and the New York Times Magazine hosted by Hannah-Jones. The 1619 Project seeks to reframe the country's history by placing the consequences of slavery and the contributions of black Americans at the very center of our national narrative. Now, the episodes entitled Democracy, Race, Music, Capitalism, Fear, and Justice are adapted from essays. Uh, so that's going to be cool, of Hannah Jones, the 1619 Project, A New Origin Story, and examine how the legacy of slavery shapes different aspects of contemporary American life. The 1619 Project will stream exclusively on Hulu in the U.S. Uh, it's going to be Star Plus in Latin America and Disney Plus in other territories. The series will debut the first two episodes with two additional episodes released every Thursday. This is interesting because I feel like lately society is trying to get rid of history. History. So to come at history from a different perspective, I think, is a really good thing to do. Well, yeah. And I mean, if you think about like social justice movements, they all kind of start with these one, two, three, four, five, six things. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just something that I feel like will captivate a young audience, teach them, like we said, the best form of education is through entertainment. We truly believe that. Oh, yeah. Well, FX has ordered a pilot for an American reboot of the British comedy series Peep Show. Oh, goodness. Um, a half-hour project hails from writer Stefani Robinson, per the official series logline. The new version takes inspiration from the original UK series and its unique narrative format. It also follows the relationship between a long-suffering assistant and her boss, an emotionally unstable tech entrepreneur. Oh. Peep Show aired uh, from 2003 to 2015 on Channel 4 in the UK for nine seasons. Yeah. Now, the series is unique in nearly every shot from the main character's point of view, 
while the audience is also able to hear their inner thoughts while seeing from their perspective. Oh. So there's a lot of different things that I feel like is going to be very successful. But anytime like the UK and US do this, like make their own interpretations of the show, they're always popular. Oh, yeah. So I'm sure this one will also be popular. For sure. All right. Jumping over to Warner Brothers Discovery. Get your notepads out. <laughs> yeah, get the notepads out, uh, recorders, buckle in, because this is a lot, guys. Now, as you guys know, there's been a lot happening over at Warner Brothers with DC Films, and it's been causing a lot of confusion for fans and industry insiders <laughs> yeah. alike. One thing that appears to be certain is that the Snyderverse is dead. Mm. This week, James Gunn and Peter Safran are set to present to Warner Brothers Discovery CEO David Zaslav what they hope will be the next decade of DC storytelling, threading together a series of films, TV shows, and games into one cohesive storytelling universe. Now, Gunn and Safran are keeping those plans closely guarded, but they still managed to make waves after news broke that Henry Cavill will not be moving forward as Superman, mm. and Gail Gadot remaining as Wonder Woman is now in question now that Warner Brothers is not moving forward with director Patty Jenkins' plans for Wonder Woman 3. Ben Affleck is not moving forward as Batman, but apparently is in talks to direct a DC film. So there's your trinity likely all gone i mean there's so. so much happening and i mean this leaves so many questions like what does this mean for jason momoa's aquaman zachary levi's shazam because that's about to come out yep. i mean all of these films are about to come out ezra miller's flash dwayne the rock johnson's black adam michael keaton's batman what are all of their futures uh according to sources ezra miller is out after the upcoming flash release which is, I mean, a good thing, to oh, be yeah. honest. Uh, no word yet whether Keaton's Batman's cameo has been removed from The Flash, but we do know that both Cavill Superman and Godot's Woman Wonder Woman cameos have been scrapped. They will no longer be in The Flash. Mm. Sources say that also Dwayne The Rock Johnson will likely not return as Black Adam. Uh, with the actor recently unfollowing Warner Brothers and the Black Adam on social media, it seems that those sources are correct and there's a lot of bad blood in the waters, guys. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, that leaves four DC properties on Warner Brothers film slate for next year. Shazam! Fury of the Gods, like Logan said, uh, in March. The Flash in June. Blue Beetle in August. And Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom in December. Now, Saffron is a producer on all of those films except for The Flash. But keep in mind, guys, these titles were conceived at the studio and at DC before Gunn and Safran took over. Now, it's unclear whether Gunn and Safran intend to integrate these projects into the new DC universe or shelve them once they've been released. I'm leaning towards probably shelving them once they've been released because you've already gotten rid of Cavill, Godot, and, and Affleck. Why would you keep them? Like, I feel like that's the end of it. And there's so many rumors going around, guys. Like, what's happening to Matt Reeves' Batman? And they're talking about it being a part of the DCU, but Gunn said that, that is not true. That is exactly not true. He then emphasized that the Batman will also play a huge role in the DCU. What the fuck? That is so contradicting. Uh, like, I, I know. So so Batman is going to be a huge player in the DCU, but it's not going to be the Batman from Matt Reeves. Yeah. And you're going with younger versions, which I'm about to tell you. So why not the younger version of Batman? <sighs> It makes no sense. Gunn also stated that while Cavill is no longer Superman, the character is the top 
priority for DCU. Mm. He then confirmed that a younger version of the character is preferred going forward. They, this will comprise of a new Superman movie that will kick off the entire new DC slate, and it is currently being written by none other than Gunn himself. Yeah. A director has not been yet attached. I wonder if that's going to be Affleck. That would mm. be interesting. Yeah. It will not be an origin story, though, just like the Batman wasn't, as it takes place with Clark already living in Metropolis and working at the Daily Planet. Gunn and Saffron say they will be able to, they will be able to share all the details of the new DCU and their plans moving forward at the beginning of next year. So, I guess we're just going to have to wait and see. Stay tuned. Apparently, man, there's a lot of shit happening. If you're confused about it, we are as well. (laughs) We're really just waiting for the beginning of the year because, like, there's so many things left unsaid. Oh, yeah. And I mean, Matt Reeves' Batman was so successful, so how are you going to, like, it's going to be confusing again, so you're still going to have the Batman, but then another regular, other Batman? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. And, and guys, here's what's going to be even more confusing because, and we'll talk about this a little bit in just a couple stories, but there's two TV, DC TV shows still alive. Mm. Will they be integrated into this? Because he said film, TV, games, like... What what does that mean? Well, I should say on network because you still got Titans and Doom Patrol too. Yeah. So four altogether that are still existing. Who knows what any of that means? Who knows, man? There's my head hurts. Yeah, <laughs> like right? there's a lot happening. But Warner Brothers has released the official trailer of Greta Gerwig's Barbie film, starring Margot Robbie as the optometrist. Fashion Doll, the uh, 75-second promo, opens with an earth tone parody of the yes. 2000s A Space Odyssey. Now, young girls play peacefully in the desert with the baby dolls. A narrator intones, since the beginning of time, since the first little girl ever existed, there has been dolls. But the dolls were always and forever baby dolls. Until... A colossal Barbie appears in the landscape wearing the striped swimsuit first seen when um, Mattel launched the toy back in 1959. That's crazy. It's been that around that Mm -hmm. long. And the girls turn on their outdated dolls. The trailer then transitions into quick snippets of Barbie's fluorescent pink dream world before closing uh, with a choreographed dance number. While plot details have been kept tightly underwrapped, the film does find Barbie and Ken stuck in the real world, where former, uh, where the former discovers the challenge of being a real-life woman, and Robbie stars opposite of Ryan Gosling, obviously, who plays uh, Barbie's longtime boy toy, Ken. Yes. So, I mean, that's going to be very interesting. You know, I was a little worried about this film, but I'm a huge Margot fan, so I was going to watch it, but I was a little worried, like, how is this going to work? But then I saw the trailer... I was dying. I was laughing hysterically. The, the 2001 Space Odyssey aspect of it was fucking brilliant. Uh, I, I'm all in on this film. I, I think haven't it's watched gonna be... the trailer yet. Uh, it's going to be very interesting. The trailer is definitely the deciding factor. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, dude, I'm telling you. Well, I'm old school, so the, 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 the shout-out to 2001 is what nailed me. I'm, Fair. like, all in. That that was a brilliant way to do it. Okay, so, oh, five. Five. DC, I forgot about Peacemaker. Five DC shows still in existence. So we might not know the future of Jason Momoa as Aquaman, but we do know he's sticking in the Warner Brothers family because him and John Cena have signed on to star in the action comedy Killer Vacation from Warner Brothers. Now, details as to the film's plot are under wraps, but Mark and Brian Gunn, 
Yes, James right. Gunn's brother, who wrote Brightburn, which was a Superman story, basically. They apparently wrote the script for this film. John Rickard and Peter Safran will produce the pick, which had been set up at the studio before Safran and James Gunn took charge at DC. So, they seem so to be weird. involved with everything, even not DC-related. That it seems mm, like. Mm. Very weird, man. Very weird. But not Dune, though. Not no, Dune. No, Because Dune Part 2 has wrapped production. The sequel began filming back in July, as we told you, shooting on location in Budapest, Abdul Dubai, uh, Jordan, and Italy. Mm-hmm. The official Dune Part 2 synopsis from Warner Brothers and Legendary Entertainment reads... This is a follow-up film that will explore the mythic journey of uh, Paul Artidus, um fucking these names, man, <laughs> as he reunites with Chani and Freeman while they are warped, uh, are wrapped, warpathed of, of revenge against the uh, conspirators who have destroyed his family, facing a choice between the love of his life and the fate of the unknown universe. He endeavors to prevent a terrible future only he can foresee. Yes. So we'll see. Well, so now that's the future of Dune. What about the past? Well, the Dune prequel series at HBO Max has cast both Josh Houston and Edward Davis in recurring roles, currently titled Dune the Sisterhood. Mm. The series is set 10,000 years before the events of the movie Dune and is based on the novel Sisterhood of Dune by Brian Bear and Kevin J. Anderson. Now, it hails also from Legendary Television, with Legendary producing the Doom film reboot, as we just told you. Now, per the official logline for this bad boy, the show follows the Hurricane Sisters, uh, played by Emily Watson and Shirley Henderson, as they combat forces that threaten the future of humankind and establish the fabled sect known as the Bene Gesserit. It is currently in production. Along with Watson and Henderson, Houston and Davis joined previously announced cast members Mark Strong, Jade Anoka, Chris Mason, Travis Fimmel, Indira Feleomi Cunningham, uh, oh, Aofi? Aofi Hines, and <laughs> Chloe Leah. Houston will appear as Constantine, the illegitimate son of the Emperor. His character is described as being torn between seeking his father's approval and his own happiness. Uh. Davis will play Harrow Harkowin, said to be a rising politician from a once great family who harbors a strong desire to elevate his house to its former glory. Uh. So, sounds interesting. It is very interesting, man. They That has a cult following. It like, does. Hardcore. It does. It's trying to be Star Wars, but you're nothing like Star Wars. <laughs> I'm just letting you know. Now, HBO's comedy pilot about the making of the franchise superhero movie has set its main cast. Billy McGinson, uh, Jessica Hines, Darren Goldstein, Lolly and Isaac Powell have been cast as series regulars, while Daniel Brahul and Richard E. Grant have been cast as recurring guest stars in the pilot, which is titled The Franchise. Now, per the official logline, the project follows a hopeful crew trapped inside a dysfunctional, uh, nonsensical, joyous hellscape of franchise superhero movie making. If and when they finally make the day, the question they must face is, is this Hollywood's new dawn 
or a cinema's last stand? <laughs> is this a dream factory or a chemical plant? So that's going to be very interesting. Uh, that's the first time I'm hearing about this one. So I'm excited to see that goofy little aspect of well, it. Well, and I'll tell you what. like Making a superhero film has got to be stressful as fuck. Facts. So a series about the, the process of making a superhero film, I feel like, is going to be really successful. I think people are going to love that. Uh, speaking of something that they love, the sex lives of college girls. No, no, no. The oh, show, no. The Sex Lives of College Girls, has been renewed for season three at HBO Max. The news comes ahead of the release of the final two episodes of season two of the comedy series, which will drop this week. The second season originally debuted on November 17th. Very cool, man. Very cool. Uh, well, the Nevers have been canceled by fucking HBO. <laughs> Halfway through its first season, uh, the Josh Whedon-created sci-fi drama will be pulled from the streaming uh, on HBO Max, along the recent canceled HBO series Westworld. The Laura Donnelly and Anne Skyly led The Nevers, which aired part one of its season back in spring of 2021, was set to debut the back half of season one next year on HBO. Sources close to the, si close to the situation say it's possible that they had already finished a batch of episodes hmm. uh, which were completed under the new showrunner Filippo Gosset, uh, Goslet, uh, who came on board following the exit of Whedon before the show even debuted. Now, this will uh, or will air on another plat. No, 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 just kidding. Uh, Westworld was canceled <laughs> on HBO November 4th, uh, under the uh, three months after the series aired its season four finale. On August 14th, the two shows are among multiple series that are being cut from Warner Brothers Discovery owned uh, streamers offering. So, I mean, it makes sense. I actually enjoyed this one. So that kind of sucks. But it, it was kind of like uh, HBO Max is the Umbrella Academy. So, yeah, yeah. Like way back in the day, Umbrella Academy. Well, maybe those ones that they finished and in the can will end up on another streamer. I we'll mean, what, just on the show a couple weeks ago, we were talking about how Warner Brothers is trying to shop properties to other streamers. So Facts. What the fuck? Yeah, who knows? Uh, <laughs> the CW, here we go with some more like confusing DC stuff. The CW has set premiere dates for the launch of the new DC superhero drama Gotham Knights mm. and the season three return of Superman and Lois. Now, Gotham Knights will bow at 9 p.m., Tuesday, March 14th, right after the 8 p.m. Season 3 debut of Superman and Lois. A lot of good stuff, man. A lot of freaking good stuff. Now, here's what to expect in Gotham Knights. Batman is dead. Yes. And the power keg has ignited in Gotham City, with the Dark Knight not able to protect it. In the wake of Bruce Wayne's murder, his adopted son, Turner Hayes, is framed for killing the Cape Crusader, along with the children of some of Batman's enemies. Yep. Duella, the unpredictable fighter and skilled thief who was born in Arkham Asylum, damn, what a way to grow up, right? and abandoned by her father, <laughs> uh, Harper Rowe, a streetwise and acrobatic engineer who can fix anything, and her brother, Colin Rowe, a clever transgender teen who is tired of being polite and agreeable <laughs> with the uh, charismatic and hard-changing district attorney harvey dent and the uh, gcpd <laughs> hot on their tail turner will rely on his allies including his best friend and formidable our formidable uh, coder stephanie brown and unlike and unlikely uh, batman sidekick uh, carrie kelly mm. But our uh, knights will soon learn they 
there is a larger, more uh, notorious force at work in Gotham City. Now, this team of mismatched fugitives must band together to become its next generation of saviors known as the Gotham Knights. That was a great consolidation of that whole run in the it comic was, books. Yeah. I think it's going to be an interesting series, and I hope it gets some legs. Because I'm all in for Misha Collins with Harvey Dent. I think that's going to be amazing. Facts. Uh, I'm really also really excited about this one. The third season of Superman and Lois opens weeks after Superman's blowout defeat of Ali Alston. Mm. Now, Clark and Lois now are working at the Smallville Gazette together and enjoying small-town life. Love it. But the Kent's romantic bliss only shines a light on how isolating the secret can be as Chrissy, who works with them at the, the struggles to balance a new love interest and her friendship with Lois. However, Lois's own work-life balance is put to the test when an undercover assignment reveals a deadly foe that promises, this is interesting, to change the Kent family forever. Oh. Now, Superman would move heaven of earth, of course, for his family, but with a villain this merciless, even that might not be enough. Meanwhile, the Kent boys find themselves being pulled in opposite directions as Jordan discovers what a superhero identity really means mm. and Jonathan searches for purpose beyond the football field. Amid all this upheaval, John Henry is haunted by his doppelganger's past, leading to a dangerous consequences for him and Natalie. Lana Lang and Kyle redefine their family post-separation, while Sarah explores the future, what the future holds for her and Jordan now that she knows the truth about his powers. Now, having learned the hard way that no one else can be trusted to work with Superman, General Sam Lane reclaims the post at the Department of Defense, only to face his own conflict in working with Jordan. So, I'm all in. I love this series from the get-go, I think it's a great interpretation of Superman and Lois and the surrounding characters. I'm all in. Right? I mean, there's a lot of really good stuff. And yes, that CW is having some really good success. Hopefully, they can just keep those shows on there. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, gun. Don't get rid of the. There's your Superman. I'm just saying. Just saying. Man. I don't know if he's young enough. He's about the same age as Cavill. But fuck, he's a great Superman. I agree, just man. Saying. I agree. Well, Paramount Pictures. Yes, we're heading over to Paramount. And Spyglass Media Group have unleashed the first teaser trailer of the sixth installment yes. of the Scream franchise. And in Scream 6, it seems Ghostface has moved east and is stalking New York City. Oh. The teaser shows a crowded NYC subway train stocked with what seems to be Halloween relievers. Uh, uh, just fans, people going out, trick-or-treating, all the good stuff. Uh, but one costume character is giving off an especially spooky vibe. <laughs> Ghostface apparently is no fucking joke. <laughs> uh, the official synopsis reads, uh, following the latest Ghostface killings, the four survivors leave Woodsboro, California behind to start a fresh chapter. Now, Screen 6 uh, will hit theaters March 10th of 2023. Oh. I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of happy this one's back because it's fun. It's a fun horror yeah. thriller one. The last, the latest interpretation was actually really good. Yeah, yeah. And they're filming this thing right here in North Carolina, so facts. Yep, CBS has also ordered the drama series The Never Game, starring Justin Hartley, two series for the 2023 2024 broadcast season. The pickup marks the network's first series order for next season. The project was originally put, as we told you, into development at CBS in 2021, ordered to pilot in July of this year. Now, along with Hartley, the cast also 
includes Robin Weiger, Abby McKaney, Eric Grace, Fiona Renee, and Mary McDonald. Mm. Now, per the official logline, like we've mentioned in past shows, Hartley will star as a lone wolf survivalist, Coulter Shaw, who roams the country as a reward seeker using his expert tracking skills to help private citizens and law enforcement solve all manner of mysteries while contending with his own fractured family. Mm. It's going to be awesome. I think so, too. I'm really excited about that one. I know you're excited about this one. I haven't checked it out yet. But Yellow Jackets has been renewed for its third season. The news comes ahead of the premiere of season two, which is set for March of 2023. Now, Yellow Jackets was a hit for Showtime when it debuted in November of 2021 to widespread acclaim. Yes. Now, this is a drama series that follows a talented group of high school girls soccer team who survive a plane crash in the wilderness as they descend into savage clans while also tracking the lives they've attempted to piece back together nearly 25 years later. Yes. The cast includes Melody Linsky, Gillette Lewis, Christina Ritchie, Tuan Cypress, Sophie Nalisi, uh, Jasmine Savoy Brown, uh, Sophie Thatcher, Samantha Harty, uh, Courtney Eaton, Liv Houston, or Houston, uh, Steven Kruger, Warren Klo, and Kevin Alves. Yes. Now, season two will also feature Lauren Ambrose, uh, Simone Kissel, and Elijah Wood. Yeah. Uh, so, our boy from fucking Lord of the Rings. Yeah, so, man. I mean, I'm excited. Oh, I love this show. I, I, it's so awesome that it got a season three renewal yeah. before season two even dropped. But that should tell you how fucking good it is. And Melanie Linsky is just... Fantastic in this series. Give her an Emmy. Fuck. Uh, The Yellowstone prequel series 1923 at Paramount Plus. It gets ready to drop tomorrow night, guys. It's apparently cast Joseph Molley. Molley joins a stacked cast that includes Helen Mirren, Harrison Ford, Robert Patrick, Jennifer Ellie, Jerome Flynn, and more. Perhaps Angie Harmon? Hmm. We might have saw hmm. something that maybe Angie's in there? We don't know. Like 1883 before, 1923 tells the story of a previous generation of the Dutton family as they work to establish the ranching empire featured in Yellowstone. Now, Molay will star as Captain Shipley, described as the captain of a British cargo ship who has seen a lot during his years at sea. Hmm. But now, And now he's in the fucking, like, West? Yeah, like, apparently. Just get off that British ship and hop to Montana? What yeah. the fuck? It's like, fuck those sea legs. I got a horse. <laughs> I like, trust in Taylor Sheridan, though. I'm sure there's a good reason why he's yeah, there. Like- exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, NBC Universal, they actually just announced that Quantum Leap has been renewed for a second season, which is kind of surprising because yeah. I had no faith in this thing. No, me either. Uh, NBC's Lisa, uh, Lisa Katz, uh, president, scripted content in NBC Universal Television streaming, confirmed that Quantum Leap will have... A a prominent place next season, both on the NBC schedule and next day on Peacock. So oh. it's actually, I guess, doing pretty well. I, I haven't heard anyone talk about it, but good for y'all. <laughs> I mean, I was worried about it to begin with, and then yeah. when I heard they couldn't even get a Sam Beckett back, like, yeah, I mean, he didn't even want to come back, and no, he's not even doing no. anything right now. Like, I don't know. If you can't get the original <laughs> character to make an appearance, it must not be that good. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Luke Kirby, Ashley Medequi, Gustav Hammerston have all joined Dr. Death Season 2 at nice. Peacock as series regulars. The trio joined previously announced series lead Edgar Ramirez and cast member Mandy Moore in the second season of the anthology series. Now, Dr. Death is based on the Wondery podcast of the same 
same name. Season two of the show is based on the third season of the podcast and tells the true story of Paolo Macaccini. Uh, per the log line, Macaccini is a charming surgeon renowned for his innovative operations that earn him the nickname Miracle Man. Mm. When investigative journalist Benita Alexander approaches him for a story, the line between personal and professional begins to blur, changing her life forever. As she learns how far Paolo will go to protect his secrets, a group of doctors halfway across the world make shocking discoveries of their own that call everything about Miracle Man into question. Now, Kirby will star as Dr. Nathan Gamelli, described as a cardiovascular surgeon working at a world-class hospital in Sweden. He faces pressure after voicing doubts about Dr. McInerney, groundbreaking surgeries. Madweki will play play Dr. Anna Lasbury, a doctor at the Institute. She joins McInerney's team, hoping to fast-track her career in stem cell research. And Hammerston? Well, he's set to play Dr. Svensson, said to be a family man and researcher. He is running McInerney's clinic trials on lab rats when alarm bells begin to sound. Interesting. Yeah, this was, a, again, I love this series. You know, the first yeah. season one was fantastic, and I love that they're highlighting real-life creepy-ass stories. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, these people are real, y'all, so just keep that in mind. Yeah, exactly. That one's going to be very interesting. Oh, yeah. I'm curious to see it. Uh, well, Melissa McCarthy, everybody knows her, everybody loves her, is set to star in an untitled New York Christmas comedy movie for uh, Universal Pictures, the working title for Peacock. Um, now, Richard Curtis will write the screenplay, and Sam Boyd will direct this film. Now, the fairy tale comedy will follow a workaholic man who enlists to help uh, the help of magical genie uh, to help his family to help win his family back before Christmas. So Melissa McCarthy is going to be a magical Christmas genie. So that's I'm like. all in. That, that's going to be fucking hysterical. There's no way that's not going to be funny. I am so freaking pumped about this. I know you are too. I th- I consider this one of the best Spider-Man films of all time. And now the sequel, it, it, we got the first look at the sequel and it was amazing. A new look, of course, I'm talking about Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse dropped this week, teasing a whole new web of colorful Spidey adventures. The two and a half minute trailer offers one of the fullest glimpses at the latest chapter of Miles Morales' hero's journey, which sees him reunite with Gwen Stacy on a trip through the multiverse. There he discovers more spider people, all charged with protecting the existence of the multiverse. But when they can't agree on how to handle their latest threat, the spot, Mm. Miles will once again find himself unpacking what it means to be a young hero. Mm. It's the the trailer looks phenomenal. It's going to be as groundbreaking I think as the first one was. It, it, I can't wait for this thing, man. It's going to be so good. Seriously. I mean, talk about like just overall love that these creators have for the Spider-Man universe oh, yeah. and the characters and everything like that. Well, someone else who really has love for the Spider-Man universe is Donald Glover. Yeah. And I mean, he is set to join Sony Pictures universe of Marvel characters about damn time as a star and producer of of movie based on a Spider-Man villain, a Hipano or the Hipano Hustler. <laughs> uh, so that's going to be very interesting. Uh, yeah. uh, the project is in early stages with no script or director, but Miles Murphy, uh, the son of Eddie Murphy, is attached to write the screenplay. Uh, the Hipano Hustler, who has first appeared in the Marvel comics in 1978, is one of Superman's more obscure viol- villains uh, with the ability to hypnotize his victims 
victims with his guitar. <laughs> By day, he is known as Ant, uh, Antoine uh, de, Solon, de Sloan, lead singer of a band called Mercy Killers. Uh, they use their music to rob their audiences. So, Mr. Comic Book, <laughs> how, how popular is this character? Does anyone know him at all? Um, but- no, but I think this is, this is Sony's attempt to pull a James Gunn and take one of these obscure characters <laughs> and make, make them just crazy popular. Is this their uh, Mr. Polka Dot Man? I, like- d- possibly, but here's my take on it. Why would you choose Donald Glover? I think everybody in existence wants that to be your live action Miles Morales. Yeah. So why would you fuck it up and make him a villain in this universe already? I just think that's, I mean, I love him and I get it. He's musical. And if you're going to, you need a name to make this quirky ass character work. Well, I mean, I thought Miles Morales's uncle, right? He did show up there, but remember, now we're in the multiverse, so that could be just a totally different, you yeah, know, but, I don't know. I guess he could play he, this He would guy. definitely have to be an older Miles Morales. For sure. Yeah, he's, for sure. he's old, but, but yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, I don't know. I, I just think, you know, I, I, this is, all I can <laughs> say is we know, we know, none of these Spider-Man films, with the exception of Venom, without Spider-Man work. They just don't work. And the only reason, in my opinion, that Venom did is because you know it's eventually leading to Spider-Man. I mean, Venom barely worked. Yeah. Let's be honest about it. It barely worked. So, I don't know. This one I'm kind of really excited about because I'm a huge Carol King fan. And if you're a Gilmore Girls fan, how can you not be? You know the song where you leave. Anyway, Daisy Edgar Jones has landed the role of Carol King in Sony's upcoming film adaptation of the stage musical beautiful now this was a package as high profile as the pedigreed jones is familiar to sony having starred in of course the studio's box office winner where the crawdads sing now she will be directed in beautiful by academy award nominee lisa chocolakendo oh yeah that was pretty good that's a name sony obtained the rights to use king's songs as well as life rights from king and other artists that are featured in the show more than seven years ago now the stage show beautiful the carol king musical ran on broadway for five years and earned a tony award for jesse Mueller's lead performance by the time the production closed in october of 2019 beautiful had played 60 previews and 2418 regular performances Damn. now supergirl herself was what she played her too in in a little run on Broadway, Melissa Benoist. That yeah. was phenomenal. Um, so I'm excited about this. I saw clips and previews from the from the Broadway musical with Melissa Benoist, and I, so I'm excited to see how this movie plays out. I think it's going to be pretty good. Completely agree, man. Completely agree. I'm excited about this next one because yeah. this is a perfect transition from The Walking Dead. <laughs> now heading over to Lionsgate, uh, the Honor de Armas led John Wick spinoff, Ballerina. Continues to expand its trope, and man, oh man, I'm so pumped. Norman Reedus is boarding the Lionsgate film, and it's being directed by Lens Wiseman. Now, Reedus joins the already announced cast, which is Angelia uh, Houston, Ian McShane, Lance Reddick, and Oscar nominee Catalina Sarando Marino. Now, with Keanu Reeves also reportedly set to make a cameo, of course, the uh, Shia Hayden scripted movie is currently shooting. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. What are you doing? If you're watching the YouTube video, Peanut, Peanut does is not. literally trying to tug my Santa hat off. <laughs> yeah. But, man, oh, man, I'm super excited about that project. Norman Reedus, I feel like, is going to make a great hit man, first and foremost. Oh, hell yeah. Because he could basically be Keanu Reeves' freaking cousin. Fuck yeah. Um, I'm, I'm pumped about that. I hope that. 
that is your lead into John Wick. Well, yeah, no, I think it will because I'm a huge Anna de Armas fan, and then Angelica Houston and Norman Reedus and all these people in it. Like, uh, fuck yeah, I think I'm definitely gonna be checking that one out. Uh, Renata Vaca, Paulette Hernandez, Joshua Okamoto, and Octavia Hinoja are the newest additions to the cast of the tenth. Saw film from Lionsgate and Twisted Pictures. The local leads for the film shooting in Mexico City are joined by the ensemble cast previously announced Savoy McCody Lund, Stephen Brand, and Michael Beach, as well as the billion dollar horror franchise's jigsaw killer, Tobin Bell. Now veteran Saw cast member Shawnee Smith is apparently also circling the project. Plot details for the film currently in production are under wraps. This film is slated for release of October 27th of next year. So there you go. I wonder if that uh, that what was it called? Um, the one with uh, Samuel L. Jackson and Chris Rock. I wonder if that one was considered part of those ten saw. I films. think it was. You think so? Yeah, yeah. Very, very interesting. Well, Amazon and MGM they have released their first official trailer for Zach Braff's latest directorial effort, A Good Person, which yeah. also stars uh, Midsummer's actors Florence Pugh opposite of Khalees. Uh, Celeste O'Connor, Zoe Lister-Jones, Molly Shannon, and Morgan Freeman. Morgan, Morgan Freeman. Freeman. <laughs> the upcoming drama sees Pew transform into Allison, a traumatized car crash survivor recovering from an opioid addiction. Mm. Which is don't worry, darling. <laughs> yeah. Um, years after the accident, Allison begins to confront her past through an unlikely friendship with the father of her late fiance. A good person is scheduled to hit theaters on March twenty fourth of twenty twenty three. Now I'll give them credit. That is an original idea, and I'm gonna go see it just for that reason. Yeah, you know, and for anybody who doesn't know, uh, Miss Pew and Zach are a couple. And they've done a film together previously, which is what she cited as the reason she wanted to do this one, because she had one of the most enjoyable times ever filming on that first film they did together. Makes sense. Makes sense. The upcoming second season of Amazon Studios' The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power which is currently in production in the UK, will apparently be directed by Charlotte Brandstrom, who is coming back after helming two episodes in season one, as well as Sana Hamri and Louise Hooper, uh, who are uh, new to the franchise. Now, the announcement also indirectly confirmed that season two will consist of the same number of episodes as season one, which was eight. In season one, Brandstrom was the only female director. In season two, she is leading an all-female directing team. She will be directing four episodes and will also serve as co-executive producer this season. She is taking over the lead director position from Wayne Che Yip, who directed four episodes, including the finale and co-executive produced season one. Good for them. You know, if you're going to make a push for all women, do it. Just go. I yeah. mean, this is this is my avatar. I just want to let you know. Oh, yeah. No, like, I totally so I watched one episode and bailed because yeah. I'm such a huge fan of the film franchise. And this is not. It's not. It. It's <laughs> so, not it. so but I like the initiative of an all female led directing team. I yeah. think that's fantastic. Yeah. You go for that. Yeah. I'm just not all in on the show. For sure. <laughs> below mid. Below yeah. mid. Uh, following the bidding war, Amazon has put in a two season straight to series or Order for a half-hour comedy, All Stars, from Reese Witherspoon's Hello Sunshine. Witherspoon will star and executive produce this series following a a former cheerleader from Daytona <laughs> Beach, Witherspoon, who goes across the pond to teach cheerleading at a school in coastal England. A, alongside Witherspoon, Lauren Nister will also executive produce for Hello Sunshine. This is a ripoff of fucking Ted Lasso. What the hell? This is... 
I'm I'm disappointed. But 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 Reese no, Witherspoon no. as a former cheerleader. It's a rip off. It's still gonna be funny. It's a Come fucking on. rip off. Come on. It's a fucking rip off. Nah, whatever. Whatever. I mean, I get it. The storyline is very similar. There's no doubt about that. And I'm sure they're trying to capitalize on Ted Lasso. There's no doubt about it. But mm. it's Reese. Mm. It's Reese. It is. It's gonna be popular. Yeah. You know it is, because she can't lose. <sighs> uh speaking of losing, after losing DC's Superman and Netflix's The Witcher, don't worry. Henry Cavill's okay. He's doing all right. Doing He's fine. apparently plunging right back into the world of genre entertainment, attaching himself to the adaptation of the popular tabletop game Warhammer 40,000. Oh. Cavill will star in and executive produce the franchise for Amazon Prime Video, which acquired the global rights to the intellectual property from Games Workshop. Now, the agreement includes... Oh, excuse me, the Warhammer 40,000 rights across film, TV, and more, making it the first major acquisition of its kind for Amazon Studios. Games Workshop will continue making the popular minifigures for the tabletop game. Well, yeah, Amazon's not toy makers. Duh. I mean, duh. <laughs> like, we'll make the TV shit. You keep making the toys. Duh. This is good, though. Cavill needed another franchise. Although, I'm as, as happy as I am about that, I'm seriously hoping now... That everything is out of the way. There's no Witcher. There's no Superman. There's no. Da- Can he be James Bond? Right. He'd like, be a fucking him... badass James Bond. I think he would too. I'm just saying, if you're not going to make it a woman or a person of color, fucking make it Henry Cavill. I That's agree. all I'm saying. I agree, man. Well, Amazon Prime's videos, Coach Prime, uh, which features Deion Sanders coaching Jackson State University through the historic 2022 football season, has landed a premiere date for in the first trailer. I wonder if it ends with him. Bye. Um, the first episode, or the first four episode docu series, which premieres December 29th, comes from uh, S Mac Productions. Um, the series follows Jackson State University Tigers football team through its 12 and 0 undefeated SWAC championship season. Uh, the first 12 episodes of Coach Prime previously ran on Barstool Sports, a YouTube channel. So we shall see, man. We shall see. It would be pretty funny if it ends with him leaving. It would be. Um, well, and then it would be funny if it followed him just going wherever he went. So we'll And see. leveling the accusations that he's been thrown out lately back at Jackson State. That, mm, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm going to give that one a watch just to see. Facts. Now play my theme song. That's what he always says when he walks out. Alright, Netflix. Go over to Netflix. The comedy series Blockbuster has been canceled after just one season at Netflix. I know, I'm upset about it too. (laughs) The 10-episode series launched its one and only season on November 3rd. The show was a single-camera workplace comedy about the employees of the last Blockbuster video store in the world. Now, the cancellation of the series is not altogether unexpected. Blockbuster failed to break into the Netflix top 10 rankings in the U.S. upon its debut and in its first full week of its debut, and managed only a meager 23% critical approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. So, yeah, I guess people didn't like it. Yeah, they, uh, bye. Uh, and I didn't hear a lot of people talking about that. No. One, to be honest. No. This next one's going to be very interesting because I, it's always so intimidating to make an anime or, like, cartoon product into a live action product Um, but Netflix has landed the right for the highly anticipated live action film adaptation of My Hero Academia now from producer Legendary Entertainment 
news of the live-action My Hero Academia movie broke in August 2021 with the announcement that renowned Japanese filmmaker uh, Shinkoa Shaku, uh, <laughs> Alice in Borderlands, that's what he's from, uh, would direct and executive produce the project, which marks his English-language debut. My Hero Academia, written and illustrated by Kohei Horikashi um, is among the most popular manga titles in the world with over 65 million copies in circulations, including digital editions. Now, the story follows superhero fanboy Uzuki Midori, uh, also known as Deku, who, born without a quirk, a, the type of exponential uh, ability 80% of the Earth's population has manifested, yeah. therefore crushing his dreams of going to UA High School school the most prestigious hero training academy and becoming the next all might the greatest hero the world has ever known but after a chance to encounter all might himself uh, midoriya vows to work as hard as he can quirk or no quirk to become the symbol of peace and beacon of hope for the world it's a great freaking show uh like i said i'm always so scared when they turn it into a live action movie but i love it you can check it out on uh, crunchyroll and hulu if you want to check out the anime yeah the one thing that that is promising about it is that the the original creators of it are involved in right it. so that's always helpful when exactly. they're going to make a live action uh adaptation all right jumping over to apple to finish things off steve mcqueen's upcoming world war ii feature Black Blitz has added six to its ensemble cast. Benjamin Clementine, Leah Gill, uh, Mika Ricketts, CJ Beckford, Haley Squires, and Sally Massam are all set to appear in the Apple TV Plus film. They joined previously announced uh, Soris Ronan, Stephen Graham, Harris Dickinson, Aaron Kellyman, Kathy Burke, and newcomer Elliot Hufferman, and music artist turned actor Paul Weller. Now McQueen is writing directing and producing the project few details have been released for the apple original film which has already gone into production in the uk now the title blitz obviously refers to the german bombardment of london during world war ii blitzkrieg and it has been confirmed the film will follow a variety of londoners during 1940 and 41 as they navigate a new normal measures introduced by the british government at the time to reduce fatalities included blackouts lockdowns and evacuation it's from the city itself so yeah it was a troubling time and and you know it's going to be an interesting film oh yeah most definitely man most definitely apple's doing some very interesting period pieces oh yeah for sure it seems like for sure it seems like well guys it is time it is time for the one and only kelly giddish to come on the show man oh man super freaking pumped this is long awaited everybody's been blowing up our social media for it and she is just a very humble human being they say don't meet your heroes well fuck that because (laughs) kelly giddish is such a freaking badass like i love just everything she said i mean she's such a down-to-earth person oh yeah and the appreciation that she has for the fan base of law and order and just fans in general mm-hmm. uh and the, and understanding the impact that this show and her character have had on people everywhere is just amazing so it was it was really you know cool to to hear her talk about that and how humbled she was by it it's freaking awesome exactly man exactly well here she is Kelly Giddish, welcome inside the Crazy Ant Farm. How are you? 
I'm good. How are you guys? Oh, living the dream, living the dream, truly. Oh, we are so excited to be able to talk to you. You, you have no idea. We have such a huge Law & Order fan base on our listeners, and they are going to be so extremely pumped that you're on the show. Uh, I, I am. I'm included in one of those. I, I'm like, you know, long term since the thing kicked off in the 90s. You know, I'm just like, this is so exciting. So exciting. Well, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Uh, We have so much to talk to you about because the character of Amanda Rollins is just the path that she went on over the decade plus on that show is just unreal. Um, One of Law & Order's best characters, in my opinion, and I'll say just in my own opinion, probably one of the best characters on television in general over the past 30 years. I certainly appreciate that. Uh, well, well, it, it sincerest because, the, like I said, the path that you went on it deals with so many things. You, you know, abuse and and a drug addiction and and mental health and and dealing with loss and learning how to deal with relationships and letting people in and that path that she t- just it was unreal. It was it was certainly fun to play, um, and I always like playing the valleys, you know, just as much as the hills. So it's I was always so lucky that they would throw me a bone and let me let let my character go through through things and fight her way back. Oh, absolutely. Well, let's just jump right in from the very beginning, right? Because this is a show that had already been on for more, for a decade, more than a decade, and you're coming into a season where one of the main characters is just out. And, you know, people yeah. are kind of like, what do you mean Stabler's gone? What, what, what's going on here? And then here's these two new people and you're like, oh, so <laughs> talk about that and what it was like to just come into that type of a situation. Well, so it was me and Danny Pino that came in in yep. the 13th season and they kind of, they kind of cleaned house, like the crew, the, the, the showrunner, everyone, um, including Chris Maloney when he, when he decided to, to leave. So they kind of just cleaned house, replaced everybody. And I got a call saying, hey, would you be interested in, you know, Chris Maloney's leaving. Would you be interested in being on Law & Order SVU? I'm like, sure, I'd be interested, you know. And and, and I got to I got to go out and test for it and talk about the role. And uh, the, the funny thing is, people always ask me, like, oh, don't you feel the pressure? You know, Maloney, Maloney left and you're here to fill his shoes. And I'm like, no, that's that guy's job. Because <laughs> I was there with... I was there with Danny Pino, you know, and yeah. he, he had been on network television. So he, he, you know, he knew the boards and he knew, he knew, I mean, Danny Pino is just one of the best people alive anyway, but he, he just knew how to handle the pressure and, and how we both were just excited to be there and excited to, to breathe whatever fresh life we could into the, into the show. I had no idea that I would be on it 12 years. I, I thought I was signing on for two or three at the most. Right. Um, but I was living in LA at the time. I just, you know, I'd, I'd just been on a show called Chase um, that broke, it was a Bruckheimer show. And mm-hmm. that, that ended after one season. So I was, you know, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll move back to New York. I, I always loved, I always loved living here and being here in the energy and and then being on a wolf show that films in New York on location is just it's thrilling. And all the places that I've gotten to go, oh, um, yeah, all the locations, it's so absurdly awesome. It's just <laughs> like all the all the the characters you meet, all the places you see. And it's not like Sex in the City where we're like, you know, drinking martinis right. in <laughs> awesome places. But it is it it you do get to see the real city and, and it, that's that was always a big benefit for me. 
Oh, most definitely. And this podcast is for the up and comers trying to break into it. So everybody wants to hear about, you know, your experiences. We get a lot of recurring roles on the show, uh, but you are the first that have like, you know, a such a big part in a huge TV show. So what was it like, you know, becoming this character and then finding out who she was towards the end? Did it just feel kind of like the back of your hand? Did you feel like you knew this person personally? Yeah. I mean, that's one great thing that I love. Um, about doing a project like this, a TV show. Um, you go and you know this character, you you have lengthy discussions about it, you ask questions, you talk to your showrunner, you talk to writers, you talk to the other characters, um, and you work you work things out where, you know, if a scene, if you're doing a scene, then you kind of get it so that it's written so that you're like, okay, I'm really passionate about this. I connect with it now. Right. Um, and... So that was always the case. It was always a dialogue, um, especially with Warren Light and, and Michael Trenucci. And we had so we had and Ricky came in to show run. So it was always like that. And then and then David Graziano there at the end, he I thought he wrote a beautiful denouement for for oh, Rollins. Yeah, um, for sure. And it was such a it was such a beautiful last season. But yes, it was like doing it was like the back of my hand. But even when you fucked up, you know, a scene, you had the chance to come back and make it make it great the next day mm. you know like a different scene but you had you i just it's not like a film where you go and it's four weeks or six weeks or eight weeks and then it's done like, right it's on film you better be happy with your work <laughs> like playing a character like this for 10 9 10 months out of the year i mean we it's a grueling schedule but you get a chance to to get in there and like i said if you mess up you get a chance to fix it to to go okay i i sucked in that scene yeah. You know, like tomorrow, tomorrow I have a really, have a really awesome scene that, that I'm not going to suck in. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, so much, so much to unpack there because one coming in, right. And, and you get to be part of that. I love that you said, oh, you talk to this person and you'd work with this person and you talk to that person. So clearly you had a lot of say in the development of the character and what you thought about the backstory and different things like that. But coming into a show like that, where you, as you mentioned before, this, you know, you, there's already the pressure, right? It's a primetime show. It's a huge hit. It's been on for this long kind of a thing. But the fan base is rabid. I mean, they're 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 just so huge and so into the show. So I got to imagine that that pressure on like, man, if they don't like your character, you know, you're you're in trouble. But on the flip yeah. side of that, if they love your character, if they connect with it, then the sky's the limit, right? They're like, oh, well, we're all in on Rollins, right? So talk about that a little bit. And how were they when you first came on cast wise? Because, you know, so it's a machine at that point, you know, over a decade in, it's a well-oiled machine. They're all family. They're all knowing kind of, and then in come the new people. Were they very welcoming to you? Were they very like, come on in? And I should say for anybody who doesn't know, you kind of had a little experience because you were on SVU prior to Rollins, right? In season eight, you had a little appearance as someone else. And so you right. kind of knew a little sneak peek into the world of it before you got in there, right? Right. I had been on I'd been on SVU as a survivor of assault. Right. And also on Criminal Intent, I played like a baddie. Yeah. That guy. Yeah. So, um, and, and both experiences were were awesome you know and you have to go in there and you have to know your shit and and ha be prepared especially as a guest star right you know like because they they carry the show you know emotionally and you know like you have to I, i'm very very happy i got that experience before becoming a, a regular because it's 
it's a lot, you know, to come on SVU and like all these regulars are there. Like all of my scenes were with Ice T, right? Um, and just to be like, I have this, and I this is this is how I'm going to do it, you know. And and then they get all excited because, and just like I would as a regular, you're like, oh, good, you know, like they got it. They're bringing it. They're bringing it, you know. Right. And they're not nervous, and they're not, you know, like they're just here, and they they understand the character, and they understand the stakes, and they're just going for it. So I was. I was happy to be that as a guest star. I think I, I think I did pretty good. Yeah. Then to come in, but to come in, you know, everyone, the, the fans were so heartbroken that Maloney left, oh, and I gave sure. that to him. You know, like I wasn't going to try and, and fight that, but I also knew I was not trying to step in his shoes, right? Like at all. I wasn't trying to be Mariska's partner. I wasn't trying to. I, I was just really excited because I had such a good relationship with Warren Light. Right. who came in to, to show run on season 13 as well. I'd known him um, since, since I, I met him when I was 18. Um, oh, wow. So yeah. He's the person I know, I know longest. I, I, and for your listeners, like I, I the, the landscape is so different now, but back then, like I would do things during the summer, like a, a playwriting conference in new harmony, Indiana. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you got to meet all these fancy New York writers. They would come to the, middle of nowhere, nowheresville in Indiana. And um, so that's where I met Warren Light. And I would always, I would always tell my, my parents, I'm like, I'm sowing seeds here. I don't know exactly when I will reap what, what I'm sowing, but I, I hope that I will. And I'm meeting good people. And even though I'm not getting paid, um, you know, I'm, I'm planting, you know, I'm planting the seeds and hopeful, hopefully fertile ground. And, and that was the case, you know, Warren Light called me a decade later and said, Hey, there's this role for you. You know, and th- here's what I'm thinking. And um, and then towards the like this last season, when it was announced that I would this, this would be my last season, the fan response was it was astounding. Yeah. You know, and and they made me feel so good and so loved and so protected. And so um, it was I, I I couldn't have asked for anything more. I, I was I was I was surprised and, and it really, really touched me. I mean, heartbroken. Everybody was heartbroken. I because yeah. yeah, you're a very endearing character. Amanda is very endearing, and everybody felt like. And I'm speaking as a fan now. You rode that ride with her. You went through all that with her, and, and she so- annoyed you. At the end of the night, right? <laughs> she was like, "You're like, what are you doing? Yeah, right? Sure, doing totally. That? Like, is she making you know, another like stupid sugary- ass mistake? What is she doing? Right? right? Yeah. Right. It wasn't sugary <laughs> sweet the whole time. Like, oh, she's just awesome. Like, <laughs> I just love everything she does. It was like, oh. Oh my God, are you serious? You know? So, you know, to, to come from that place of like always having to be like, it's going to be okay, guys. It's going to be okay. You right. know, come with me, come yeah. with me, come with me, you yeah. know? And, and because that's how we are in real life too. Like, it, you know, it's our, it's our buddies that are just like, Oh my God, I can't believe you did that. You know? <laughs> like you've got to go clean your, clean your shit up right now. That's clean right. that mess up. Like, go face it and go do it. And so you got to, you know, so thank you for, I'm, I'm glad you were heartbroken. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for making me cry when I watched it because yeah, no doubt I did yeah. cry when I watched it. I'm like, no. I, so I love though, because you brought it up and I think it was a very smart move by the writers and the showrunner to not pair you. Right. Like make make you Mariska's partner. They're like, no, no, no. Anything but let's make her anybody's partner. But Olivia's because that's not going to work. And so that was a very smart move to do that when you first came in, I think. I agree. Yeah. And we you know that that relationship took 
I mean, it, it developed over time and nobody, nobody like forced our, our hands, you mm-hmm. know, to be like, okay, so you guys are going to be best friends. And then you're going to be, you know, you're like single moms. Blah, blah, blah. No, it was like, well, I had, I had two babies on the show and you know, that changed, that changed me personally. That changed who, who Rollins was. Mm-hmm. And, and like all these, all these things just kept opening up where it's just like, Oh, you know, like <laughs> Vincent and Rollins are, yeah, are great friends, and they've got, you know, there's there's not a relationship like that on on the show. Yeah, most definitely. And with something like as impactful as this show, you know, has been on longer than all of these other uh, law procedurals and everything like that. With a show that mirrors society in such a real, authentic way, we've been talking a lot about mental health and how mm. actors and professionals deal with that when taking on these type of situations. So how do you deal with mental health when, like I said, when you're on a project that mirrors society in such a real drastic way? Well, I think, I think following the lead of Mariska and trying to be proactive Mm. um, in terms of, you know, where you, where you dedicate your, your time or money, but more than anything else that, that I've done is just kind of, you know, just I'm proud that I'm on, I'm, I was on a show that even though it was a procedural, it seemed to help people, you know, and like, and, and no matter what the dark subject matter we were talking about was, I haven't had to go through that. Mm -hmm. And the people watching have, you know, like a big part of our audience. I mean, it's, it's astounding the numbers when you break it down, um, how many people have had to experience assault or, you know, so I know when people are watching our show, you know, like they, I mean, a lot, a lot of people get, get not satisfaction, but just like a little relief, you know, like when we catch the bad guy at right. the end oh, of the show, sure. you know yeah. what I mean? So, so just knowing, knowing that that's, you know, and like when people come up to me on the street and they're like, thank you so much, mm-hmm. you know, for, for you and the show and you guys have, have really helped me that, that just means a lot. But otherwise, like I, you know, I mean, you experience all the emotions at work, you know, and you put yourself in the in those people's shoes and, you know, you do the interviews and you hear the stories, you know, like as part of the script. And then, you know, I leave that at work and I come home to two beautiful boys and a beautiful husband. So I'm, you know, I'm, I've always been really good at leaving that at work because I, I do like go full in, you know, yeah. like in the moment and I feel everything. So it's, you know, everything is kind of left on the court. No yep. way. Well, one of the storylines that I really thought was like so interesting and I'm sure helped just so many people because I feel for like such the longest time there was such a stigma attached to it. And that's bipolarism and, and the fact that your sister was bipolar and a drug addict and that the, the, what you had to deal with in that situation and the stuff that she would put Amanda through and then Amanda having to deal with trying to clean up that mess. I think that that storyline was so important for so many people out there struggling with mental health issues, thinking they're alone and the stuff that they're going through, they must be all this. And so to see a character play that out on television and how it affects the family members and what the family members also have to deal with, and that it's more of a a unit thing as opposed to an individual thing and how mental health affects everybody, I thought that storyline was brilliant. Talk about a little about that, because Amanda's family... (laughs) 
kind of not so good, you know? The mom was abused, mm. the dad's an alcoholic, the sister's a drug addict with mental health problems, and Amanda's not so, you know, <laughs> unshady herself with what she's doing, um, you know? Unshady. You, you, you said the yeah. two children with two different daddies, and one of them was kind of hidden. Yeah. We didn't know who the dad was at some point, so there's a lot going on there. Talk about that dynamic and how you played the family aspect and had to deal with all that stuff, because that was incredible. I mean, it was, thank you for saying it was a brilliant storyline. I can only agree, you know, and um, all of those things came from just us asking questions like, you know, where, where is Rollins' dad? You right. know, mm-hmm. how did she get here? Why is she curious about this? Why, uh, why is she in New York? Why, you know, so out of, out of questions came a really clear backstory, mm-hmm. um, which, which I think is, is an organic way to, to build a character. So I think, the reason why that storyline was successful and it didn't seem just put upon um, is because it kind of came out of, you know, you'd see, you'd see Rollins actions and be like, where did those come from? Why is she doing this? Right. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think your character was a prime example of pain recognizes pain um, in the sense Mm. of someone who's been through pain can see people who are going through pain. Uh, one of my favorite episodes is uh, The Book of Esther. Oh, um, yeah. That one was absolutely brilliant. And actually, Rebecca Kennedy is our forever guest, and she comes <laughs> on. She's been on like 15 times. I uh, saw that. Yeah, and she's absolutely amazing. But y'all's dynamic and chemistry back and forth in that episode that, again, was mirroring real life was an absolute pleasure to see and i think that's what's so special about this show with real life situations that are happening and you see them in the news every single day and there's a new like aspect that comes out every single day you represent it in the show to where like you can get some clarification and satisfaction and justice in a sense to where in real life sometimes you don't really get that so i think that's what's really special about it well and then absolutely oh no i was just and then the twist on that Right. You work because so hard to save her, so hard to kind of thing. And then tragically, you yeah, find yeah. out you killed her. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like, oh, crap. So that little twist at the end was so heartbreaking. And just like I feel like it left everybody just like, oh, you, you know, when you do yeah. everything right and something tragic still happens, it's like, oh, how do you yeah. deal with that moving forward? You know? Yeah, that was that was a really, really heartbreaking episode. I really I loved acting with her. And- everyone on that episode it was and i clearly i clearly remember that house and you know it, all of us gathered outside and it was that was that was brutal it was it was and that's that's where that's where the show succeeds you mm-hmm. know like when you know of course the twists and that kind of thing but when when it's it's in a gray area too i think when when the show is is the most successful like every way but she only killed him because because he was assaulting her. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and like you get you get that, and you're, you know, like that when you have all those conflicting feelings where you know what's right and wrong, and but right and wrong gets messy. Right, you know what I mean? Like that's when I think the show is is really successful for us to to kind of delve in and and see what that feels like, you know. Oh, for sure. For sure. And the relationship building, you, you know, you mentioned it with, with how Rollins and Olivia over the span of time and everything. But it, it's just with Amaro, with Finn, you, you know, with, with just the whole dynamic. I, I love 
you and Ice-T together. Just freaking fantastic. Every scene is just so good. Even at the end when he said, I'm going to miss you, boo. And, you know, just the kind of like little thing at the very end, right? That was my mom's favorite. <laughs> yeah, no, it was it, it was so endearing. It's just, it's him being him, right? He's like not going to get all emotional. It's just, oh, I'm going to miss you, boo. And, and kind of a thing. Right. But then Amaro and you know, that whole kind of a situation and you're like, oh, what's going on there? Is it going on? Is it not going on? Are they close? Are they not? And then Carisi, of course. Like, just like the progression through the characters was just phenomenal. Um, I Danny, love them. I have to tell you something behind the scenes. Like when we were uh, before COVID, we all got together and we would do a table read through. So all the cast and, and the producers and the writers would all sit around and read the script before we started shooting it. And when, when we did that scene, when we read the scene between Rollins and Amaro and you find out like he comes out in a towel or something, yeah, yeah. he, Danny hadn't read the script before the table read and his face just went, I mean, fire engine red. He was like, oh, oh my God. You know, so when you guys, when, you know, like interviewers ask us like, well, what's next for Rollins and Crazy? We're like, we don't know. Yeah. It's like when we say we don't know, we really don't know. No, that's fantastic, though, because, yeah, no, no doubt. I think everybody is kind of questioning, you know, when things start to heat up between, uh, you know, Carisi and and Amanda, it's like, uh oh, where's the tragedy here? Is this going to be a good thing? Is this going to be a bad thing? You know, because it can't possibly end good. No, that's not going to happen. So to have exactly to have the happy ending, to have that. And what a way to do. I thought the beginning of the episode was so good. No, I mean, it, the way they staged that, like, oh, crap, what's everybody going to the courthouse for? What's uh, the, the very surprise, like, here's why you're really here. So good. When you walk out in the dress yeah. and everybody's look on their face, it, it was it was so touching. It was so touching. Norberto, Norberto Barba, who actually – so I think I worked with him very – my very first experience on Law & Order was on Criminal Intent when he was directing. Right. In my very last episode, Aww. he directed – so he directed that scene. That's awesome. Um, and, and the rest of the, that episode and did such a beautiful job. Um, but yeah, that that courthouse scene was so I, it was so befitting to to Rollins and Carisi, how they would do it. And, you know, and I, I loved the bedroom scene, like how intimate that was. Yes. Um, with the kids, the kids just jumping on the bed. And it was that was super sweet. Oh, for sure. For sure. I, well, and the blended family, how Carisi just kind of came in and he's like, hey, we got this. You know, it, we're a family now. And how the kids adapted to Carisi. It's like, oh, just come on in, jump up on the bed. Mom and dad are here. It's Christmas. Come on. I love that. I, okay. I, that that's a full on turn happy ending for all of them. Right. Because, I mean, that's incredible. So that's a really good. Scene. I don't want to alarm you guys, but there's an animal. In between yeah, no. You, right? <laughs> just, I don't want to alarm you. <laughs> this is Peanut. Oh, my God. Oh Peanut's a big <laughs> Law and Order Maybe. fan also. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Like, is it a boy or a girl? It's a boy. Oh. Yes. He's so a... does he like Franny? Yeah. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> Good beagle You know what's funny? Makes. Franny, he, Franny um, she, her and Ice-T's dogs, mm-hmm. Spartacus and Maximus, yeah. they used to hang out in the stage all the time. Like It, it was like kids, dogs, everything, all the time, <laughs> everywhere. Um but they, and it was, they would always they would always gang up on her like two on one. Oh. Of course, of course they would. I see dogs. Um, no, um, but they, but but they were. They, I think they came on Jimmy Fallon with him one one time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I swear to God, she sees them on the TV and like goes 
ape shit. Like, <laughs> she's like, those are my boys. We're on TV. They're my boys. Like, she just would. I mean, like her nose this far Aww. from the TV. Like she knew it was them. That's she adorable. didn't do that, you know? Yeah, it was cute. And it was cute. Okay, so bring And then up- by, the, by, by the last season, Franny, like she... She was 12. Yeah. That's not a spring chicken anymore. No. (laughs) Like they would, they would do the old like Rollins and Franny running in the park thing. (laughs) And Franny's like, I got two takes. Yeah. (laughs) And like, like they, they had me go upstairs and I was like, guys, I don't know if this is such a good idea. Like she's got an ACL problem in, in her knee. I was like, I mean, if, if you want us to move with any kind of alacrity, it's not going to happen because <laughs> she needs, she, she's 80 years old. And That's right. Time to get down these stairs. <laughs> so we had to wait. We had to like stop shooting oh my for 30 minutes and reblock the scene so Aww. that Franny didn't have to do stairs. <laughs> oh, that's adorable. Okay. Yeah. So I got to, with stories like that, I, I, and over the period of time that you were on the show, I, I, there has to be a story. There has to be a good one. What is the most embarrassing moment over your time on that show that you had happened that you thought at the time you were never going to get over, <laughs> but now you can sit back and laugh at it? Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, this is the Barbara Walters to, moment. We have to like, yeah, exactly, right, exactly. I think all, I think every cast member has ripped their pants at some point. Oh no, <laughs> no um, doubt, right? Yeah, you know, the holidays happen. You gain a few pounds. <laughs> I don't know, man. That I'll, I'll, I'll think of it. And okay, if, I, if something comes up in my head, I'll. I will, I will definitely let you know. Oh, there you go. No, there no, you go. never mind. <laughs> Do you never have mind. a favorite scene partner? Did you, you? We don't want to call out anybody, but I mean, did you have somebody that you particularly liked, like loved being in scenes with more? I love. I so the the stuff with Ice T. Yeah, like I love like when he when he was doing the the protect you know like the protection scenes with me. I would love mm-hmm. doing that. That scene when Carisi decided to leave uh, the unit. Right. And I was like, you abandoned me. <laughs> um, I love doing that scene with him. And then, you know, like the, the scenes with, with uh, Rollins and, and Benson, I think there was a certain magic always when, when they would kind of just unleash us and let us go. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And did you have a lot of that freedom, like that, a lot of that collaboration? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's definitely. always good. We, we both had, we both, I mean, like, especially in that last episode, you know, a lot of input to, to what what beats we we wanted but i mean it was they're so good there the you know david graciano and, and julie martin they were both so they're so in tune with the characters mm-hmm. and you know they're they're so well defined mm-hmm. that um i mean it, it's it's certainly a talent to to write them consistently mm-hmm. But that's also the beautiful thing of being on for a quarter of a century. Oh yeah! It's like people, people kind of figure what what you're going to say and, and how you're going to act. So consistency—that's so good because in that scene in that hotel room, you know, the boxed wine and they're drunk and they're just getting it. And I, I loved every second of it. That, but then the consistency comes in when Amanda drops it, and the instant you know Olivia's like somebody's leaving me again. I'm being rejected again. I'm losing somebody I care about again. And that, and that coldness, that, that, you know, the stiff, 
and change was just that's so that's a great example of the consistency of she's drunk she's having a good time they're having a moment but then there's that trauma that everybody leaves her everybody's abandoned her she's had this stuff so mm-hmm. when amanda drops it it's that instant wall that goes up like ooh i'm being betrayed that was that was so good and and then amanda realizing oops I'm going to go get some ice. (laughs) You know, nice pun, by the way, there, too. Just like the the, the writing is so good. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I just it's it's one of those things where the writing is phenomenal. And when you have these characters and you have phenomenal writing like that, and then you have people like yourself that are phenomenal talent that can bring those words to life in a way that people can connect to. um, I think that's why it's been on the air as long as it's been on the air and it's able to do what it's been able to do because you have that not every show gets that right not every show is able to do that and uh what you guys have been able to do with these characters and your performances and there's a reason you said oh i thought i was going to come in maybe get one or two seasons kind of a thing or whatever but there's a reason that you were there that long it's because of the ability to do what you do and to connect with the audience and to make people feel for that character and that's all you you know you you can have brilliant words but if you don't have that ability to take those words to life and make that connection doesn't work so that that's a credit to you and the rest of the cast to be able to pull off what you guys pull off every week yeah and i think i think everybody there really enjoys enjoyed their job Mm -hmm. you know like we all loved coming to work to go back to like scene partners and that kind of thing like danny pino Mm -hmm. great great scene partner yeah and Dan Florick, like when I first got there, like to have him, like, oh my gosh, I, it was, I didn't have to, I mean, it was just such an undercurrent of, of love. Like I just, I absolutely adore him. And, and I think he feels the same way about me. And it was just an instant, instant connection, you know, and like to have those connections, like so strong, mm-hmm. like it, you, you, you get to play, you know, like mm-hmm. it, because once you have the the base there, I think everybody like the audience responds to that. They they're like, oh, these these people really love and respect each other. You know, like let's let's now let's throw them in the in the tumble cycle, yeah, and see what happens. You know, most definitely, most definitely. Well, it is the season, so I always have to wonder and ask, what is your favorite holiday movie that you like <laughs> watching every year? Because you know we have our set, you know, couple, and I'm always so curious about everybody else's. Well, in the Giddish household, when I was coming up, it was we always had to watch Bad Santa. Oh, oh yeah. Billy, yeah, Billy yeah. Bob Thornton. Oh yeah. So that's where I'm from. <laughs> <laughs> that makes us feel warm and fuzzy for sure. <laughs> but now, now my um, my son watched with my dad uh, like a, a year or so ago, uh, Christmas Vacation. Oh, nice. And, and just watching my son look at his grandfather and like my my dad just giggling and like so my <laughs> watching my son giggle at my at his grandfather watching the movie it was that was that was really special so Aww. now they're texting each other like hey I'm watching I'm watching Christmas Vacation tonight, you know? <laughs> I love so that's, that 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 would be it that's so cool that family dynamic how about yours what's yours ooh yeah uh, well mm. mine for sure uh home alone 2 i love both home alones but i love new york city um and i love the house more in home alone 2 so that one's definitely a staple mm. yeah for sure i uh, love home alone i i'm old school cuz i'm old so uh it's a wonderful life the original not the remake I, i'm all in on the original and i like it in black and white but then i'm also my daughter is a huge fan and so then and therefore i became a huge fan of uh, how the 
Grinch Stole Christmas, the Jim Carrey version. So that's one that we oh. watch all the time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it's kind of like, yeah, uh, you watch uh, It's a Wonderful Life with me and I'll watch Grinch with you. And then yeah. we just kind of, you know, and now we both love both of them. So it's, it's yeah, it's very weird. That's I love cool. how you talk about the family and, and the kind of thing because this industry can be kind of tough with the working hours and all that kind of stuff. I know sometimes there are stretches where I'm away from my daughter, soon to be his wife. <laughs> and so, um, but so there, there wait, are stretches. That, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. 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 Oh. This is, this is going to be my father-in-law. <laughs> yes. It's yeah. a, it's a, awesome, it's a special guys. dynamic. Yeah. We have a, a film and television production company that we got started and uh, this kind of led us into the podcast space and we've been doing it ever since. Uh, but yeah, basically my father-in-law is my best friend. So <laughs> it's a good dynamic. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. really, really great. Worked out pretty well, we think. You know, <laughs> I, I can trust this guy with my kid. I mean, you know, it's fantastic. <laughs> I know his future. I know how things are going. It's it's pretty good. That's big. <laughs> um, I love, though, how you bring up the family and talk, and there's clearly a great family dynamic there because support systems and the people around you are so important in this industry because it can be tough at times and everything. Talk just a tad about what it's like to be a working mom in this industry because that's not always an easy thing to do, right? No. You're worried all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're just worried all the time. Yeah. Um, and then you find wonderful, beautiful people that, that love your children and, and that are teaching them things that maybe you couldn't teach them. So you're like, okay, all right, that's good. That's good. That's good. That's all right. You know? I love that. So I love that. Sometimes you just got to put it out to the world and say, okay, take care of this. It's going to all be okay. Right? Like, yeah. And that yeah. brings I it mean, full my, and I, sorry to interrupt. You. No, no. I had a, I had a really, I, you know, my mom was a working mom. She was a, an, an administrator for, um, for the high school mm-hmm. ended up being principal, um, which is very intensive in yeah, terms of sure. time. Yeah. Um, you know, you have to be at all the basketball games and all the football games and all the plays and all the, um, so I had a really good example. And, you know, whenever I talked to my mom about it, she's like, it's, it's definitely quality over quantity. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. In everything in life. That's that's a great motto to have throughout life. It's all about quality, not quantity. It's take what you get and make so. the best of it, of whatever you do. And that kind of brings it full circle, right? Like back when you were saying that you were, you were putting it out there in Indiana and you don't know, I'm not getting paid and I don't know what's happening here, but at some point this is all going to come back and it's all going to be good. And I feel like that's so important for anybody out there trying to chase the dream, no matter what the dream is, whether it's in this industry or whatever other industry or having a family or whatever. It's at some point you just got to put it out there, take the risk, go for it, because in the end, it, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be and it's all going to be OK. And you got to be able mm-hmm. to take that risk. Right. Yeah. You got to got to put you got to put a foot forward towards whatever you want. Exactly. God doesn't help cowards. <laughs> exactly. Ooh, that's exactly. a T-shirt. I know. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Well, listen, thank you so much for taking time out of your morning and come getting a little crazy with us. We really appreciate it. This has been an absolute blast. Uh, you're welcome back anytime. Oh, yeah. uh, but you know it's all about social media. Where So where can all the followers follow you? Um, at Play. Kelly Giddish. Yeah. yeah the, those places. Yeah. yeah. We'll put it out there. We'll yeah. put it Instagram out there. Instagram and Twitter, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I have to ask before we let you go, though. <laughs> what do you? One is Amanda ever going to come back? They kind of left that open. I was so glad it was the happy ending and we didn't have a tragic ending because hopefully we <laughs> right. can see you again, right? And then two, what right. does Kelly have coming up? What what's post 
Oh, Law and Order. <laughs> Kelly has Christmas and, and the holidays and taking it easy. Um, it's I, I'm thrilled to be doing exactly what I'm doing, which is, you know, taking my boys to school this morning and hopefully you know, it's just being home, being uh -huh. home. And it's such a cozy time, you know, to enjoy and. It's, I'm happy as a bug in a rug. Love that answer because you've certainly earned some time off and yes. to be able to have that family time. So just yeah, thank you again, like Logan said, so much. This has been an absolute pleasure, like lifelong fan. So I this is a huge deal for me. Thank you so oh, much. Oh, good. Um, and uh, best of luck in, in the future for whatever you do and whatever the plans have for you. Uh, I think you're just going to excel at, in anything that you do. So um, best of luck, best wishes. That. And uh, take care. And Merry Christmas to you and your family. Thank you very much. You're very thank welcome. You. <laughs> thank you. Have a All good right, one. Thank you, guys. Oh, no so problem. Peanut saying goodbye. <laughs> oh, is it over? Bye, Peanut. <laughs> so cute. Uh, have so a good cute. one. Bye, take guys. Care. All right. Man, that was absolutely amazing. Oh, yeah. And just, you know, we, we've heard from people that have worked with her about how nice she is and what a great person she is. But... Right there, yeah. proof positive. She's just a person who gets life and takes everything and 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 is thankful for everything and just makes the best. And uh, man, yeah, just what a wonderful person. Yeah, seriously, seriously. Thank you again, Miss Kelly Giddish, for coming on the show. All right, now it is time for the top five segment, and this week it is top five films that would have been better as TV shows. Yes. Now I completely went the route of pacing now i don't I, like just because there's a lot of you know freaking hate on these movies i will say and don't get me wrong there was a lot of problems but i think overall they were pretty okay movies um there are a few in there that were just trash uh my number two speedy specific so stay tuned for that one uh number five for me though is the irishman this one by default should have been on both of our lists because fuck oh fuck um it was honestly it was a great film don't get me wrong, um, but there was a lot of things you felt like were a little unnecessary and that were kind of like filler stuff. And if that was in a television show, that would have explained much more of the filler stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like um, just a couple of different instances, but it's okay because it's still, you know, Martin Scorsese's <coughs> uh, first Netflix film and all that good stuff. But I think this would have been much more paced out better as a limited series um so yeah number five for me is uh the irishman yeah okay i agree with that i, I mean just yeah full-on pacing it needed to be longer <laughs> than it was and should have been done as a series totally agree thanks uh dread is my number five and i say that because the the world of judge red it judge dread is so expansive and there's so much more to the character's background and then we get to see in the limited amount of time in the movie. And I'm talking about Carl Urban's uh, version, not Sylvester Stallone's. I think that that world would be fitting for a television series to be able to explore more of 
what Judge Dredd is and, and the organization and how the storyline plays out with other characters and the background of the history of how it becomes to that. And uh, you, you can't put all that into the movie. You just can't. You can hint at it. You can highlight it. But I think a series would be absolutely epic to kind of show and highlight more of that world and explain more into what Dredd is. And so, uh, yeah, my number five, Dredd. Yeah, I agree completely. Agreed completely. Uh, number four for me goes to Ad Astra, uh, the Brad Pitt, uh, Kayla Adams uh, film. I really think this one would have just like been better paced out as a fucking uh, limited series as well. Just because I felt like the um, the ending when he finally reaches his dad up in space to try to save him, I felt like that was way too rushed. I mean, the buildup was there, and then it was kind of like, eh, you know. But yeah, I mean, just that part alone, I felt like would have it would have just made more sense because you could have taken your time. He, you know, he had to be on Mars for a certain amount of time before going actually back into uh, outer space to continue his mission. Um, but just different things like that. Like I said, my whole list is due to pacing, and mm. a lot of these films kind of have pacing problems. So, number four for me is Ad Astra. Yeah, I mean, I mine same thing. My number four is pretty much the same reason why I said for Dread Ghost Rider. Mm. It's because it's such an expansive world, and the backstory is much more than what people are familiar with. And there's a history there, and a world of characters, and things that need to be explained. And I feel like can't be done adequately in a short period of a film. I think this would be an excellent series. Because you could dive deep into the background of why Johnny Blaze is Ghost Rider. And and even there's been more than one Ghost Rider. So you could explain that and kind of go over the history of the character and what the deals are that they make to be the Ghost Rider and what that even entails. And while you can get quick little snippets of like that in the movie, you know, oh, this is why, this is that. You don't get enough. And, you, you know, unless you're a comic book fan and know all of it, it's kind of rushed. And so I feel like a series here would be phenomenal. Uh, it's just one of those characters that plays well. And uh, Norman Reedus, <laughs> I think, would be fucking brilliant as Ghost Rider. Just saying. I think just so, saying. too. I think he would pull off that role very well. Uh, number three for me goes strictly because of... I mean, I feel like he would probably still get a lot of backlash for it. Don't get me wrong. But uh, Father Stu. Mark Wahlberg's Father Stu. Great freaking movie, actually. It has, like... Honestly, no pacing problems. This is the one exception, I feel like. Um, but I feel like it would have probably been less hate towards it if it was a limited series. Uh, I just feel like, you know, you would be able to fully process his character because it is based off of a real-life priest who went through a whole bunch of different transitions in his life. Was once a boxer, was once an alcoholic, was once basically like a sex addict, and then now he became a priest and he had a disease that later ended up killing him. So it's just different, you know, idolizations and different uh, parts of his life that I felt like could have been more expanded upon. So that one, I mean, I wanted more out of that film. So I felt like that one would have been better as a limited series. Yeah, and I think the cut version sucks. The <laughs> film was really good, and I it's unfortunate that they had to. They felt like they had to go back and cut to appease the church. Yeah, I just think it was a solid. This was a. It's a real story, like you said, about a real man, mm -hmm. and this is who he was. Yeah. So to go and cut it 
it that now it's a fiction. Now yeah. it's fictionalized, exactly. and it's not him. And I think that the original cut is the one that you should watch if you watch this film because it is a really good film. And I would have liked to have seen it played out a little bit longer. Yeah. Uh, my number three, Me, Earl, and the Dying Girl. You hear mm. me talk about this all the time. It's one of my favorite films of all time, and it's a fantastic story. And I would love if this had been a series because I wanted to see more of the relationship then how it played out, how the best friend was sidelined by the dying girl, the relationship that they developed, you know, oh, it felt they did a really good job with the film. Don't get me wrong, but it felt rushed. Because this was a whole thing where you have these two best friends and this girl comes in and the guy falls in love with the girl. Then she's dying and he spends all the time. And the, and the, the dynamic that that causes on the best friend and the whole rela- – I just feel like I would have really loved to have seen more. I would have liked to have seen more of that play out, more of the relationship about how he fell in love with the girl, more of the deterioration of the relationship with the best friend and kind of – I just think it would have been great spread out. I wanted to see more of it and have have more time to look at instead of how it was rushed. Um, not that the film wasn't brilliant. The film was brilliant and I loved it. I would have just liked more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so there you exactly, go. Exactly. Exactly. Number two for me, that should have just been completely refucking written. I mean, still the same cast. It would have been absolutely amazing. R.I.P. Ray Liotta. But I'm just saying, many Saints of New York. Oh, uh, Newark, it was trash. Absolutely mm. garbage. Especially, like, you know, you're trying to leave a legacy for the sun and trying to, you know, build upon that. And it's such an iconic thing for him to play his dad, at least the same role as his dad. Um, I just felt like, you know, Gandolfini was probably looking down like, what the fuck did you guys <laughs> do to this? It was so special. Sopranos was way ahead of its time. It built basically HBO. Like it was like the main force of what television and streaming shows are today. And just to come out with a prequel movie that was just garbage. Um, and I can't even blame the pandemic because this was another same day streaming one during 2020. Um, but you can't even blame that because the story was just so trash. It was a television show. Keep it a television show. Keep it a limited series <laughs> and progress it like that. I, it's just not good. Not fucking good. So number two for me is New, as Many Saints of Newark. There you go. My number two is a film that wholeheartedly should have been a Disney Plus series. It would have worked. The fans would have loved it. It would have never gotten the smashing and, and the bad reviews that it got as a film. I'm, of course, talking about Solo, a Star Wars story. I think this was set up from the get-go as a series. It just fits better as a series. You yeah. want to see that whole relationship between Han Solo and Chewie play out over the extended time before we meet them in the films, right? And I just felt like with all of the crap that went on behind the scenes of this film and the pacing problems and bringing in a new director to try to finish it after the first director's left and all, it was horrible. I think if you had played this thing out as a Disney Plus series and spread it out over a series of time... It would have been brilliant. Yeah. And it just, you needed more of that. It felt very rushed to me. It felt like we know what's coming. Now we have to pack all this in real quick and tight in the beginning to get you there. Basically. And it could have just been something that was spread out over, you know, six, eight, ten episodes. Uh, like Obi-Wan and, and you just even though you know what's coming you get that whole backstory about that relationship not just like oh here he is oh they meet oh they're a team oh okay now we're in the movies I just felt like it could have been a much better story 
over a period of time as opposed to just quickly done and, and just I I liked it. I, I didn't did too. I didn't hate it. Yeah. I, I understand the pacing problems. I understand the problems with the with the bringing in a new director and all that kind of stuff. More so why I think it just would have worked infinitely better. And and they're proving that these Star Wars shows work mm-hmm. and and people love them. It just would have worked better as a series. I think it's going to age really well because you're seeing a lot with these uh, Star Wars movies. And like I said, the sh- well, I mean, the shows are great, but a lot with the Star Wars movies are like they get better with time. Oh, for uh, sure. People love the prequels now. When they came out, people hated the prequels. Yeah. And I mean, there's so many mixed opinions about the sequels uh, with Ray and Andor and um, no, Rogue One. Everybody loves Rogue yeah, One. Yeah. But I mean, uh, Ray and Oscar Isaac. Um, so I mean, there's a lot of that backlash, but I feel like, you know. I think it's going to age well. I think it'll do good, but yeah, I think you're right. I think it probably would have done way better as a show because I think the future of Star Wars right now is television. Well, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's if it's readdressed as a show. You know, continue the solo story yeah, as, a, as show. a show. Pick up from the movie and continue as a show. Give us a bit more of that background prior to getting to, mm-hmm. right? I think it I think it would work. Agreed. Agreed. Well, my number one goes to Lightyear. Now, stick stick with me. Stick with me. It was all based off a mission. You know, they got trapped on a planet. They didn't know what to do, so they made a civilization out of it. So basically, because ba- he's trying to figure out how to get home, right? How right. to leave. And he's like going through time basically i forget how much time he's going through every time he takes off on the rocket it's like 10 years or something like that 20 um but basically if you are able to make this into a show a limited series or however because pixar hasn't done a limited series or a show yet no so i think they would really succeed in that but for this specific one if he takes off then you could tell the story of his best friend that stayed on the planet and was going through everything and then every you could time jump every episode and then every few episodes he could come back and then towards the end of the season after she died and then you could go into his storyline so it would be kind of like a passing the torch during the season so i just felt like that would have done way better especially you could have saw the granddaughter grow up and all of that shit so i think it would have been much more successful if they did it like that plus you wouldn't have the whole light year stigma with tim allen and chris evans because it wouldn't just be chris evans it would be the grand the grandma and granddaughter storyline first and then lead into the Chris Evans storyline. And so. you have more of a time frame to explain oh, yeah. about Toy Story's aspect that this is a movie that leads to Toy Story's characters. And yeah. like, so yeah. No I one just, really understood that concept. No. It, I mean, it was a swing and a miss because I mean, I thought it was a cool concept, but yeah. And I, it was I a good movie. I, it just, yeah. I just don't think they marketed it properly. Uh, exactly. Exactly. So my number one, if you guys have heard me talk, you know, in the past, you know, I love this movie. Um, huge fan of the culture, huge fan of everything about what this movie is about. Um, the Last Samurai. Yeah. Uh, I, this is an absolutely beautiful film. It's, it's a true story about an American Civil War hero that basically finds himself in feudal Japan towards the end of the samurai run. 
And, um, you know, it's it's where it's modernization. The army is taking over. The emperor is kind of like, you know, they're shifting to an army and guns and and, you know, there's no need anymore for the for the samurais. And and this guy basically is converted. He's held captive by uh, a samurai family and um, basically taught the way of the samurai and learns to appreciate what they stand for and their way of life and how they do things. And you keep it. This is a troubled war soldier, you know, alcohol and not, not, he's not in a good place in life when, when this happens to him. Um, but that was a journey. What his, his time held captive was a journey and we see it, but it's very condensed in the film because it has to be because there's so much playing out. But the history and the time period that this plays out over and the fall of the samurai and, and you know, this epic battle that they show at the end of the film. Me personally, I take it back to Shogun, which was a massively huge miniseries back in the day on television. I just feel like this would have been a phenomenal limited series to where you could spend more time over that, his captivity, more time of him learning the ways of the samurai and that admiration that he has. Um, Ken Watanabe is so amazing. Everybody in that film on the Japanese side of it was just phenomenal. The, the scenery, the cinematography, absolutely beautiful. Winter with the cherry blossoms and just like all these, the, the, the palaces. And um, I just think I wanted so much more. I wanted to see more of the story of this this westernized culture and and you know converging with the east and learning the ways and i just i really wanted more 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 and uh i just think it would have been an epic limited series completely agree man completely agree well that is our top five segment for this week and man that's our top five segment for the rest of the year uh films that would have been better as tv shows let us know what you think we're so super curious be sure to comment below in the youtube comment section or add us on twitter instagram or wherever you are listening to yes. this podcast all the good stuff well the box office recap this week it's definitely going to change um number one was black panther wakanda forever came in at 11.1 million yep. violet knight came in at 8.7 million with number two strange world at number three with 3.6 the menu at number four with 2.7 and Dev- devotion um with uh, two million mm. so you know a lot yeah. of a lot of interesting things but of course avatar way of the water comes out this week we shall see how it does the almond and the seahorse uh whatever <laughs> the fuck that is all right Ernest and uh, Kelestine, uh, a trip to Galbirtas, wherever that is. Right. Um, you can check that out at possibly your local cinema. Uh, Little Nicholas and the Men in Blue. So a lot of interesting things at your select cinema. So sure. Check it out. Check it out. Uh, movies you can still go see this year are The Black Adam, The Fableman, uh, Met Opera, The Hours, um, I Heard the Bells, and Spoiler Alert. Emily wants to see Spoiler Alert. Interesting. Yeah, she definitely does. And I'm seeing Fableman's tomorrow, so yeah. I'm excited about that one. Great film. Great film. Oh, yeah. Uh, IMDb Pro's top trending segment. Oh, man, oh, man. The top trending movie is still Bullet Train, which is awesome because it's now on Netflix, so you can watch it. Such a good film. It is. It is. Uh, top trending show is Wednesday. 
Wednesday, I started this one, and it's a great TV show. Oh, yeah. I love it. I'm curious to see it moving forward. Oh, for sure. Um, I think I'm about to get on the dance episode, which is fucking I just, everywhere. I'm telling you, it's mesmerizing. It I don't is. know whether it's Jenna Ortega's <laughs> eyes or just like, but the, the song that they chose for it, and then just the every time I see the clip, I stop and watch it. I can't not Literally. watch it. It's, it doesn't it's, matter who it was. No, it's fucking unreal. I just, it's, it's brilliant. Yeah. And the top training star is Jenna Ortega. Yeah, man, just, oh man. What a gem she is. Yeah, man. seriously, seriously. Who died in Scream, the last one? Um, yeah. She was the baddie. Uh, well, guys, thank you so much for getting crazy with us on the last episode of 2022. It's wow. been an amazing year. We've had some amazing guests. we got to thank all of you. And we got to thank our guest this week, Kelly Giddish. Be sure to follow her. She's absolutely amazing. Twitter, Instagram, at Kelly Giddish. Um, be sure to follow the company and podcast on social media at itcap podcast and at crazy at media on all social media platforms and you guys know you can follow us both personally on social media myself at jlo fantastic and crazy ant guy 1970 and you guys know you can subscribe to this podcast anywhere you listen to your podcast and that's anchor apple podcast spotify google play music iHeartRadio, podbean stitcher and so much more oh yeah and if you're watching this video on youtube we appreciate it hit that like button on the video subscribe to the channel because there's more stuff coming in 2023 and ring the bell for all the latest and greatest notifications coming out of crazy ant media a lot coming a lot coming man be sure to visit our website as well crazyantmedia.com where you start rocking the latest greatest crazy ant media gear stay up to date with the podcast stay up to date with new projects that we're doing television shows movies new podcasts everything man we are venturing into a lot of different things 2023 and we're super freaking excited about it oh yeah man oh man um i mean of course james gunn James Gunn and Peter Safran. What are you doing? We're so intrigued. The beginning of the year cannot come quick enough so you can answer some of our questions. And please answer the questions because if you don't, we're still going to be like, what are you doing? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that and the curiosity of uh, what Avatar will be and how long it will be and all the good things. So, I mean, it was a great show. There was a lot of good upcoming news. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited for 2023, and I'm excited for the industry because I'm hoping to see a revamp because it, it was still like a rebound type of year from 2020. Um, so like theater going, it was still down 33%. Um, but I mean, they're also going off of 2019 numbers, but they're hopefully releasing more numbers or more, uh, movies in 2023, like that actually compete against each other on the weekends. Uh, but we'll see, man. I'm excited. Uh, my favorite thing about the past year and all the shows that we've done and all the crazy is Bob Iger returning. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Fuck Bob Chappick. I'm so fucking thrilled Bob Iger is back. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I loved this show, and I'm with you on the James Gunn, Peter Safran thing. I'm like, if a full reboot, a full cleanse, start over reboot is what you're going to do, do it. Yeah. I'm all in. I don't disagree with it. I think it's the right thing to do, but don't tingle here and leave this guy or tingle there and leave that guy. If you're going to do a hard reboot, do a hard reboot. Exactly. Um, don't, don't mess it up by, Oh, we'll keep this or we'll place that or we'll keep just fucking reboot it. That's my advice <laughs> to you guys. If you're going to do that, fans will get over it. They're going to be pissy at first. Oh, the way they got rid of Cavill. It's Gal Gadot. We'll get over that. If you're going to do a reboot, reboot it and then let us be happy with what you do. So, uh, that, that yeah, I, I love that. Um, 
I am. I'm excited about uh, just the future of everything in the industry. I think we are starting to see a big comeback in in theater goers and movies overall. I think that's going to be a really good thing. Um, I want to see more theater. Like Broadway, I you know, I love that they're taking these Broadway shows and making them into films. You know, that's great. I think it opens the door to show more people about Broadway shows in theater. And I think, but I want to see the actual theatrical. I want to see more Broadway shows. I hope that makes a huge resurgence as well. Um, you know, just, yeah, the whole thing I think is going to be really exciting. What's the future of streaming? How many big studios are we going to have left? Is there more consolidation coming? Is there not more, you know, uh, just the future is wide open and I'm excited to be a part of it and to be in it and, and just, yeah, kind of see man. where it's going, it's man. It's crazy. It's crazy. And you guys know we will forever and always love the one, the only Oprah. Oprah.